Now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? Shut up and sit down. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lip. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Ah! I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. want to let you guys know we're transitioning the podcast we're no longer going to review beers we're just going to review uh different kinds of white claws and um different heart seltzers going forward <laughs> wanted to let you know hope you're okay with that because they're delicious <laughs> <laughs> i don't care what anybody says <laughs> it has nothing to do with politics i really don't give a shit no it's a good start <laughs> Oh, God. Welcome back, guys. It's uh, Barstool Politics. I am your host, uh, Nick McGuire, joined as always by Dr. Bill Muck from North Central College and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hi, guys. Hey, Nick. Howdy. Hi, Phil. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, before any of the other stuff, uh, we're trying some new uh, equipment uh, and new um, recording software. So let us know if things sound wonky or different, or if you like them. Um, we've tested it a few times. It sounds pretty good. If you guys didn't know, Phil does not tape with us in the same room every week. He's in a completely different state. So um, we're trying to make this sound as, as natural as possible. Um, and we think we found a way to do that, but we'd like your input on that as well. You can um, tell us these things on uh, Twitter at, uh, at Barstool Paul, P-O-L, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Uh, beers that we try, you can find on Untapped on iOS or Android. Uh, just look for Barstool Politics on there. Uh, the podcast, uh, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, most major podcasting platforms. Uh, and then we are partnered with uh, Predicted, which is a real money political prediction market, uh, pretty much a stock market for politics where you can buy and sell shares in future political events, um, which is great for our listeners uh, who use the promo link when opening up a new account. You receive up to a $20 match on your first deposit. So, for example, if you open up a $20 account, Predicted will match that $20, giving you $40 to use. Uh, like I said, just use the uh, promo link, predicted.org slash promo slash barstoolpaul20 uh, to check that out. Elizabeth Warren is doing well. I'm predicted. God. They like her. She's and Andrew Yang. She's in the lead now. She's got a yeah. lead over uh, Biden even in the markets. Not in the polls. Yeah, but insane. Right, in the markets, yeah. You were really loud there for some reason. Yeah. Sorry, Phil. Um yeah, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, let's actually get into uh, talking about things or, you know, not talking about things as in we're going to talk about conspiracy theories. The only way and, to start. Uh, you know, the, the person who is best at uh, purveying that information is, of course, the president of the United States. So, <laughs> Bill, take that away. So there's nothing like a good conspiracy theory to pull the country together. You know, the last couple of weeks has been kind of dark. Now we've got conspiracy theories. Awesome. Nick. Yeah. As everyone in the world now knows, Jeffrey Epstein was found dead Saturday morning in what? his jail cell. Yes. At the Metropolitan Correction Center while awaiting trial on federal sex trafficking charges. Epstein's death has promoted all variety of conspiracy theorists to weigh in, including, as Nick noted, the president of the United States. 
On Saturday, Trump, who has a long history of peddling conspiracy theories, retweeted a message from conservative actor and comedian Terrence Williams, suggesting former President Bill Clinton might have been involved in the death of Epstein. In the tweet, Williams wrote that hashtag Jeffrey Epstein had information on Bill Clinton and now he's dead. God. On Tuesday, Trump defended his retweet, noting that Williams is, quote, a very highly respected, respected conservative pundit. He's a big Trump fan. That was a retweet. That wasn't from me. That was from him. But he's a man with half a million followers, a lot of followers, and he's respected. So I think I'm fine, unquote. Got to cover yourself. My favorite part is I think I'm fine. So let's take a step back and reflect on this. The president of the United States accused his predecessor, Bill Clinton, of complicity in the death of an accused sex trafficker. That That's where we're at now. What happened to the days of Trump taking things seriously or taking Trump seriously, but not literally? Phil, I can't remember. Was it Kennedy who accused Eisenhower of murder or was it Reagan accusing Carter? Because it, it just seems like this has to have happened before, right? Multiple times. Yeah, this is. This yeah. Is- <laughs> Nothing unusual here. <laughs> so start us off. <laughs> well, I mean, so, you know, as is the case oftentimes with the stories that we talk about in here, there's about 12 different angles that we could go down. Um, you know, the Epstein thing is, it's fascinating. It is kind of the perfect storm of conspiracy theories, right? So he had been, you know, th- this high profile case. He has ties to very powerful people on both sides of the aisle has ties to the Clintons, ties to Trump, ties to all these other people, you know, that some of the documents that were released not that long ago um, have ties to the royal family, like Prince Andrew has been at these parties where he's had sex trafficking and, you know, underage women. Um, And so for somebody like that, who there's a whole lot of powerful people who stand to lose. And then he attempted suicide, what, like a week and a half ago or something like that? Yeah. Um, th- 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 there's no way this should have happened, right? The, the idea of him sh- turning up dead after being on suicide watch, and then he, he was off suicide watch, but was in still uh, in a situation in which he should never have been alone. And he was in a cell without a roommate, all sorts of stuff. So it, it is kind of the perfect storm on all sides to see, you know, to for, for, for people to jump on. People who are not conspiracy theorists, like very smart people uh, on, on Twitter and other places were immediately going to the, the conspiracy uh, theory route. Having said all that, I mean, so, uh, you know, this is where there's all sorts of different directions to go with this. One is, you know, how did this happen? But, but two is, um, uh, I, you know, some people pointed out that it, this is ripe for conspiracy theory, but it also reveals the extent to which we as Americans aren't really aware of the way the criminal justice system works, that this is not actually, you know, for someone, for there to be some screw up in the system or for a prisoner to not be sort of treated the way that we think they should be treated is not uncommon. It's in fact, oftentimes the norm. And in fact, today the report was that the two guards who were supposed to be watching him fell asleep and then doctored the logs afterwards. So, I mean, it's more likely just incompetence than, than, you know, corruption or conspiracy. Um, so there's that aspect of it, but then there's the fact that again, whether there's a conspiracy or not, the president of the United States should not be retweeting this out. Like, you know, the, we we talk a lot about the power of rhetoric or the power of the president to shape things, and this is a good example where even if he believes it, nothing is nothing is gained by tweeting this out. We also have the fact that this was a Department of Justice facility. This is if if something happened, if the Clintons did get in to kill Jeffrey Epstein, it happened because Donald Trump, something in Donald Trump's administration allowed that to happen or whatever. I mean, there's just so many elements of, of this that I, I don't even know how to make sense of it. Yeah, it, it is incredibly bizarre. And, and for me, the other thing that is, is so 
odd about Trump and not just in, in, in this instance, but his broader conspiracy theory loving. I mean, remember this is, he accused, was it Ted Cruz, his father of being involved in the assassination of JFK? I believe it. Yeah. He, he talked about Scalia, uh, that somebody probably killed Scalia. Obama's the birtherism, yeah. Yeah, that's a huge one. Uh, did he he said something about like Rubio and Ted Cruz maybe weren't legitimate citizens. I mean, he's he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a common thing for him. But usually the conspiracy theorists are outside the centers of power. So it's usually those who are marginalized, who don't have power, don't have a voice, who are are, are peddling these conspiracy theories. We've never lived in a moment where those in the most powerful positions in government are now spreading conspiracy theories. I mean, this is entirely novel and, and not, not good. Well, it can, it, no. it, it, I mean, it sort of goes against the whole spirit of what a conspiracy theory is, right? That there are powerful people behind closed doors doing this when the most powerful person in the country is the one that's buying into the conspiracy. You're, you're exactly right. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, it fits with the deep state stuff. Like he's attacking the deep state, which is essentially a- attacking his own government. Uh, you yeah, saw the video, though, from the cell, right? No. Oh, that's right. The video cameras weren't working oh, either. No, oh, I know. That's, that's so, another perfect mm, bit of information, nah, right? It's so weird. Uh, so so, so you're a believer, Nick? No, I, I, <laughs> all right. So here's the thing. There's no reason for the president of the United States to be weighing in on any of this shit. Like, and, and I like I get it. It's he's he cannot let 2016 go and it's Hillary and whatever we, we get that. And realistically they do have an impressive body count of people that could have potentially been killed by them. (laughs) But that's again, neither here nor there. Trump is on Um, that list too, right? Trump is on that (laughs) list too. Um, But there's, they're just, the guy tried to kill himself less than two weeks ago. He somehow got taken off of suicide watch. He found a way to did he hang himself? Is that what it was? I think so. I believe that. Yeah. Um, which he tried previously. Yeah. Supposedly. Um, yeah, they removed his roommate. Um, it, like there just there's two there are too many things. And I, I I agree, Phil. The criminal justice system is not a well-oiled machine like some people think that it is, but there's just so many yeah. different variables in there. I'm not even saying it's the Clintons. I, like there's, <laughs> there are so there, there are so many people that it could have been. There are a lot I, of like, people I, who benefit from this. Yep. Yes. I like. I, I. It seems it's sad to say, but it seems more likely that this was some sort of vast, weird, you know, child molesting conspiracy than he just magically found a way to kill himself in there uh, on his own and nobody noticed. You see, I just think that the, ch- I mean, uh, the chance that th- these guys, the guards fell asleep, that to me, like people, you know, workers are, you know, crappy sometimes, right? So this, these guys fell asleep, they die. To me, that, that seems much more reasonable than, than somebody who has a vendetta for, I, I just, I think we're, we're in a world now where this is what we want. This is how we want to process news is it's got to be some crazy, but it, it's, it's a symptom of Trumpism. You don't build an island for molesting children to go there by yourself. Someone else was involved. Oh, so absolutely. Crazy. And all of those people had a sigh of relief because yeah. of this. This is where, I mean, so this is what brings up another in issue, which is um, uh, Bill Barr. So Bill Barr, the attorney general, has has come out to address this and has said, you know, whatever inconsistencies occurred, like this never should have happened. There's going to be a full investigation. And, and this is where you, the, the history of Bill Barr, and, and Bill Barr is, is an example of the Trump administration in this. He's sort of a, a small example of it. The history of Bill Barr of essentially taking the president's side 
um, over, you know, rather than being sort of a, a nonpartisan like law enforcement officer. That's where you have some credibility issues that come in. And, and if that credibility had been maintained, then when he says this, then there are always going to be conspiracy theories. But people could sort of put their faith in the system. There's going to be an investigation. People are going to look into this. We'll get to the bottom of it. Um, and and the the lack of you know credibility or the, the the fact that that's been sort of chipped away at in the past from stuff Bill Barr has said or done undermines the confidence that we have that this will actually occur because you know I, the the there are conspiracy theories that the that the Clintons are involved there are conspiracy theories I mean, Trump and Epstein were friends and Trump has been at parties with pictures taken with some of the women who have been who have accused this so you know Trump could potentially be the one that benefits and so if Barr is Trump's you know lackey then that brings doubt in. Into, into the equation as well. So I, that, that I'm not saying that that is the case. I'm saying when you, when you, I don't know, when you do stuff that makes it appear that you're not just sort of an unbiased chief law enforcement officer, but that you are working for the president, that's where this sort of stuff comes in. And so that same accus- that same criticism can be made about the Trump administration in general, when everything is personal, then it casts doubt when Trump is like, this is fishy and we're going to get to the bottom of it. So people, when you undermine the confidence in sort of the institutions, this is where it comes back to bite you in the ass. Well, I think this is really relevant because they raided what they raided Epstein's home, the island home or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, I mean, it sounds like he, the guy had tapes of everything. So now all of this evidence goes into, you know, the justice department. And I I still have faith that there are individuals who are going to process this correctly, but there certainly is going to be some suspicion about whether Barr at the upper levels is going to be hand picking. So let's say they go in there and they've got some bad evidence about Republicans or Trump himself. Like, you know, there are people who would think that Barr would want to protect the president. And and even if that's not the case, he is he is made it feasible for people to think that. Right. And that's 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 troubling. It's problematic. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's wide ranging of the 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 people that he knew and associated with span the political spectrum. I think it's easily yeah. as as um, likely that you would find people from the other side of the political spectrum oh, yeah. or from Hollywood or, or any other kind of upper royalty, echelon or royalty. Yeah. yeah, that you would, you know, handpick to take out of there because of their influence from a financial standpoint yeah. more than that. And there are, L- never mind. I, I won't go into the Clinton <laughs> thing anymore. I just, I just won't. There's lots of them in the, in the, well, I, I mean, the, bar, bar and other people have said that, uh, you know, so what would normally happen when, when, you know, Epstein dies is that the criminal investigation ends, right? Because he's, he's dead, but bar and others have said that this will be ongoing because there are conspiracy charges outstanding. So there, but what that means essentially is that there are other people who were involved in this, you know, in, in either knowing about or participating in this, this sex trafficking ring, essentially that Epstein was a part of, and those investigations will continue forward. And that's again, where some idea of, of it's not even partisanship of, you know, of, of even handedness or, or that, that, uh, that, that bar is not doing the work of Trump, but is doing the work of justice or whatever. That's where it's important. Cause as that moves forward, um, either way, right? Like if, if, if whoever is involved, if, so let's say that Nick's theory is right. And the Clintons did have him murdered. Right. And when Barr brings those charges, there are people who aren't going to believe it. Because they're going to think that he's doing the work of Trump, right? And so that's where the whole thing is undermined by bringing this shit into it. Well, I mean, to build off of that, the fact that the president himself is 
is pushing these conspiracy theories isn't helping Barr at all, right? I mean, it's so Barr is, is compromised to some degree because of his previous behavior. Trump, I mean, I, I just, I, if we circle back to this, I, I, it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that the president is is doing this. Like, this is unprecedented. It is bad for the country. So it's just, you know, I mean, it, it's, I don't know. There were a number of, of conservative legal scholars this week talking about how terrible this is. Um, and it's bad for the country in terms of the partisan divide. You lose faith in everything. You lose faith in truth and facts and all of that because the president is the one at the center of power now saying that there's legitimacy to these crazy, crazy. It's been, I mean, it's it's uh, it's hard to believe that a president is doing this. It's not at all hard to believe that Donald Trump is doing this because, as you said, oh, I mean, like throughout his career, right? This has long been his the the way that he approaches and talks about things. Right? You know, I, you lamed a bunch of them. But even like back to the Central Park Five, and I mean, all through his career, the, this has been the way he thinks. And so it, it's not at all shocking for him to be, you know, viewing it that way. But but again, that shouldn't be surprising. Like we knew that he was a conspiracy theorist before we elected him president, right? So it's not all that surprising that this is this is the case. Uh, why, why? I mean. I don't know. Is there a reason? Like, why is that his mode of thinking? Like, why does he for somebody who has been in power or in a place of, you know, has 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 benefited from power for his whole life? It's weird for him to engage in conspiracy theories that I suppose you could say that, like, as a as somebody who grew up in power, he realizes the the crazy shit that powerful people do to you know to to accomplish their ends, and so maybe it's that he's been a part of that world and he knows that, and and so that makes him a conspiracy theorist. Um, I'm not sure I buy that. There, there's something going on. Like, what is it about these that are appealing to him? I, I mean, I I think it's it's kind of what we've we've constantly been talking about this does play well to the base it plays extremely well to it's the entertaining base. They despise the mm-hmm. clintons um and and that whole kind of elitist leftist you know echelon of society i think this plays really really well and it's you know it doesn't cost him anything pretty much puts a eh, at the end of his twitter things and that's that's about it he doesn't have to do anything yeah. this is the easiest strategic move he can make to further cement his support before the election. And if you don't care about these institutions, and at its core, I don't think Donald Trump really cares about the democracy, you know, chipping away at it, chipping away at civil discourse and debate. You know, he doesn't care about that. He mm-hmm. wants entertainment. I mean, part of his job has always been to attack the system and to be flamboyant and entertaining. If that's your number one goal, and now you have this unbelievable megaphone to spread this, it's good for Trump. Bad for the democracy, bad for the country, bad for civil discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right, Nick. His supporters are going to believe this as if it is truth. That's that's not good, right? You know, I mean, it, at some point, there's got to be some reasoned and reasonable discussion. And, and I, I agree that the, the circumstances of Epstein's death are odd and bizarre. But even if Bill Barr's Justice Department comes out and says there was no foul play, the president has suge- suggested otherwise. I don't know how you get past that. I, I mean, I think that'll be an interesting crossroads when they come to it. If Barr does come out and, and that's the case, which is most likely the yeah. case, how does how does Trump come back? Right? Like he's he's rallied Right. behind bar like pretty significantly over the past few months right um i i i don't know and bar is not a conspiracy theorist bar is a believer in executive power he's a defender of, of of trump and his his ability to do things but he's not a 
wacko conspiracy theorist. All right, well, all right, let's, yeah. let's 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 hold on. Let, let's back up for a second <laughs> because realistically, this is the other argument. That let's I'll play devil's yeah. advocate for a minute. As much as this is probably a far fetched thing, there is an element to there that seems extraordinarily yep. odd, and we yes. can't dismiss everything because a lot of what we said, realistically, the 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 media, to your point, Phil, was saying that. This was related to Trump when we first heard about Epstein. Everything was related to him. He wanted to cover everything up. And realistically, that is equally as much as a conspiracy theory as it is, you know, Trump saying that it's the Clintons. I, I, yeah. So, I, like, it, what do you think? From my perspective, I think it's relatively likely that there was something. Some foul play. Untoward. Yeah. That, that happened. I, like, I, it's. I think in most situations, yes, the likelihood of some weird conspiracy, this is the <laughs> thing with the software, um, it, it's unlikely, but we've gotten to a point where anytime that somebody says something is a conspiracy, especially when it's coming from the right, mm -hmm. it's you're an idiot, you know, you, you know, you're, uh, you're part of the base, you don't know what you're talking about, and your opinion doesn't matter. But when elements of that do come from the left, well, then we're just having a discussion about that. I think that's a good point. But if you think about history, so when George W. Bush ever was president, liberals were had all sorts of conspiracy theories about mm -hmm. Dick Cheney and his big, massive, human-sized safe and what was going on there. Lots of that. And then when Donald Obama... Rumsfeld is a lizard person. <laughs> right. Did you not know? And so then when Obama came president, liberals suddenly were like, oh, there's no more conspiracy. Right. But then it, it shifted to the right. But what's weird about this moment is that you've got Donald Trump in yes. power peddling these. So usually Correct. it's those that are out of power. Power. Oh, I don't disagree. So, yeah. This is fucking batshit. And the other thing I'll point out is this week I've had conversations both with liberals and conservatives and all of them reasonable people who are like, yep, something happened there. Mm -hmm. and so it is it's a, to your earlier point, Phil, it is such a bizarre development. So, how, I mean, to, to to kind of both of your points, how do you I, I feel like I've seen I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen um, uh, studies or reports that have talked about the sort of explosion in conspiracy theories post Watergate, right? Which makes sense because Watergate was a conspiracy, right? There were powerful people behind the scenes who were plotting to do stuff. It, it, it's, it wasn't a theory. It was a, a thing. And so there was after that, I mean, to some extent that shows the importance of, again, I'm going to hit on the idea of norms and, you know, you know, the institutions and all of that, but uh, that is an example of where those institutions and norms didn't come through and people were, you know, realized that you can't always have faith in the institutions. You can't always have faith that people are going to do the right thing. And so there's been this blossoming of conspiracy theories since that time. So it, it, I, I'm kind of torn because on one hand, I don't believe that you should always have faith in, in powerful people or in institutions, right? They, they don't necessarily have your best interests at heart. They will do things to stay in power. They're not always good people. Power does, in fact, corrupt. So you have all of that at one hand. But at the other hand, you, you don't want to you know lose faith or always believe that there are lizard people behind things. So how do you balance those two, right? Like, how do you how do you sift through or, you know, figure out what you can trust in a situation like this. I don't know if you have the That's answer to that. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think it's in, it's increasingly 
difficult to do that in our current political system. You know, ideally, what you would like to do is take time and and over years and years have evidence come in and make reasoned judgment. I mean, think about the assassination of JFK. You know, that is the biggest of all the conspiracy theorists. But the reality is that more the more and more evidence that comes out as scholars and historians and political scientists look at this, the, con- the sort of conventional understanding now is Oswald did it and he probably did it alone. And that's boring and it, it undermines all the conspiracy theories, but that's likely what happened. Mm-hmm. And so you take time, you look at the evidence, but we're not living in a world where we want to do that slow, methodical, reasonable discourse. We want to jump to whatever fits our mindset. And so I, I, to answer your question, Phil, I think we're in a terrible place. To, to figure these the things thing, out. I mean, uh, go ahead, it, it feels like we've made this flip from sort of presuming that nothing is fishy until evidence comes out indicating that it is to the, you know, we flip to the other side where we just assume that something is fishy until you can sort of prove that it's not. And that seems like a, a, a pretty shitty place to be as a society. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I like I, I feel like I, I don't think that that flip is a recent thing, though. Like, go back to, you know, um, from Watergate on, even before Watergate, Bay of Pigs was a conspiracy. There's evidence that they wanted Cuba to invade southern Florida. So they had a reason to invade Cuba. Then they were trying to instigate yep. that at yep. some point. Every single era in modern American history has had some sort of major conspiracy vietnam to some extent and you know our 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 willingness to go into cambodian laos is technically based on what we know a conspiracy in some elements um everything through the clintons uh afghanistan and iraq and weapons of mass destruction and abu Ghraib and black sites and everything that we you know is kind of they have not given us a reason to trust them in the better part of 70 70 80 years at this point I, like they shouldn't be trusted there's there's no reason to do that right and ha- like I, not to go off on a tangent but having my own experience with those people in dc they're they're pieces of shit <laughs> you are pieces of shit i'm sorry like I, I there are some really decent people who want to affect change and who want to you know present the 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 needs and wants of their constituents but when you're over there and you know you're getting invited to a party where you know members of congress uh, are going to be there and the party is a no clothes party they're probably not good yeah. people to begin with and that happened to me yeah. i didn't go but <laughs> no i mean i think that that <laughs> politicians can be bad we should still try to be analytical is how we in how we assess these these developments. Uh, yeah. I, and I, I keep coming back to this point, though. The, the role of the president matters here. Presidents lie, but at the same time, they should be the voice of reason. And we've got a president now who's a megaphone for conspiratorial thinking. And it's just it's just hard to it's hard to have a society in that. Yeah, it does feel like the, it is important for people, for society, for citizens to think critically and to ask questions, right? After what happened with this Epstein yeah. thing, people should be asking questions, right? How, how did yeah. this happen is a reasonable question. Um, but there's a difference between asking questions and jumping to the assumption that, uh, that, you know, Bill Clinton was involved, right? And so that's that finding that balance is, is the, is the challenge. 
And maybe that's the thing that I've been I've been struggling with this week because I've had a whole bunch of people tell me like you know how can you not see some sort of conspiracy theory here? But for me, it is that one president is accusing another president of essentially you know being complicit in a murder. Right? That that's just it's so far out of bounds of what we're used to that I, I that's I, I can't I don't know. James Milan found decapitated. However, the coroner ruled his death was to natural causes. Yeah, that's one of the people. <laughs> I, I can't help yeah. but think, jump back. I know we, we it's probably time to talk about beers, but I, I can't help but think about uh, uh, two weeks ago or whatever when we talked about the role of TV and sort of screwing up people's political attitudes. And I, like I, I, you know, there's some really good entertaining TV out there, House of Cards, or you know, I, I I never watched Game of Thrones, but this whole sort of political intrigue aspect of it, I I can't help but feel like there's some level of we're so engrossed in our TV world that we we don't oh, sure. we're unable to sort of separate that from reality sometimes. And sometimes we shouldn't, mm-hmm. right? They're they're similar, but uh, most of the time they're not. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a fascinating piece in the New York Times this week about Brazil and the role that YouTube has played in in exacerbating kind of these extremist uh, conspiracy conspiracy thinking on both the right and the left, but in particular Bolsonaro, his support, how how that media can shape views, and it's yeah, it's it's really really fascinating. Well, now you see China doing it with Hong Kong too. Exactly. It's the U.S. It's it's a U.S. Yep. conspiracy to overthrow the communist system, and yeah. it's 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 really it's compelling stuff. I'm sorry, one more. Yeah, Suzanne Coleman reportedly had an affair with Clinton when he was Arkansas Attorney General. Died of a gunshot wound in the back of the had ruled a suicide was pregnant at the time of her death i'll leave you with that <laughs> i have 40 others <laughs> nick loves the conspiracy theories <laughs> all right phil let's talk beer what do you what do you enjoy so i'm drinking uh it's from marsh island brewing which i should have looked and see and i don't know exactly where they are they're in maine somewhere um this is a double ipa called seek alternative route or route I've, I've had this once before and i feel like we had a discussion about whether it's pronounced route or route at that point but uh yeah. we'll, we'll move i feel like it depends oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and as our listeners may know I, I a while back while taking um shingles medicine i drank a double ipa and it did not go well um and i've been kind of afraid of them ever since and and i've been drinking a few of them this one this one's really good i you know i've had a few double ipas um, uh, and they're not necessarily my favorite, but this one, um, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's not, you know, it's not like over the top, um, alcoholic. Like I don't feel like I, the alcohol level is not crazy. I don't feel like I'm, um, causing damage to myself by drinking it, but it's got all the stuff that I like in an IPA, but sort of cranked up a little bit. It's really sort of citrusy. Um, it's, it's really good. I I've really enjoyed it. So our senior legal analyst, Tom Cavanaugh, who will be joining us next week, uh, he always brings us good double IPAs. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of the ones that he picks out is, it, just like you said, Phil, they're drinkable. They don't feel overly boozy. They, they can be done really you, well. A lot of times they're If you put not, this but, in front yeah. of me, I don't – there's there's some double IPAs that it's like obvious that it's a double IPA when you drink it. And this one, it just – it feels like a, a really good IPA. Mm-hmm. So Nick, we did a little sample sampling of Lagunitas. You want to indeed? You want to tell the did people? Did we have the phase change we, first? Uh, we started with yes. Yep. Okay. So we had the uh, phase change, which is a seasonally unexpected wet hopped juicy ale. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was very wet. It yeah. was very hoppy. Um, <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> it, yeah, it just it, it was it was overbearingly yeah. uh, hoppy, I guess, with not a lot of nuance to it. There was it, there were no other kind of notes. It was just 
yeah hops and then this we started with that and then we had a little something hazy which is their unfiltered uh something and, and I, I thought this was slightly better mm-hmm. but it might have been just because the first one this uh the wet hoppy one it's, it's a wet hopped juicy ale the first yeah, one. Yeah. yeah so there was it was better but neither of these were great mm-hmm. you know it's, their first couple beers were solid and now it seems yeah. like they're branching out in ways what's that aren't your, always what's your tasty. verdict on lagunitas in in general their initial stuff was so good. Yeah. I, I, that's how I set them apart. But yeah. yeah, I feel like they're, I don't know about, I feel like everybody's kind of running out of ideas, but um, yeah, like really when we had the second one, it was, it was phase change just kind of dialed down two notches. Yeah. It wasn't, there wasn't anything added to it. It was just kind of a muted version yeah. of that. I feel like, so it feels like their, their newer stuff is just kind of a spectrum of, going super hoppy and then less hoppy and then not necessarily adding a lot of other essence to it. Right. But there are a lot of other breweries that are, their iterations are better than I think what Lagunitas has done, or at least for, for my palate. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a giant brewery now. They, you know, yeah. they can, they can do it. This, this they, segment they don't care brought to you by Lagunitas. They're going to be sponsoring us. No, probably right. not. But on that note, if you guys want to check out the beers that we have in the pa- uh, p- podcast, um, I did that last time too. The Chicago thing keeps coming out more. Um, find us on uh, Untapped on iOS or Android. Uh, look for Barstool Politics and you will find all of our beer reviews on there. Speed round. Maybe. All right. Yeah. So last Thursday, an explosion that released radiation ripped through a missile test site in northern Russia. The Russians appear to be testing a new type of nuclear-propelled cruise missile hailed by Vladimir Putin as the centerpiece of his Moscow's arms race with the United States. At least seven people, including multiple scientists, were confirmed dead. Uh, but the Russian government's slow and secretive response has set off anxiety around the world. The Russian secrecy also suggests that they haven't learned from the Chernobyl accident. Nick, they got to watch the show. <laughs> HBO one was so good. They're doing their own show. I know. Luckily, the radiation leak appears not to have been overly serious, yet it's hard to ignore the fact that uh, Russian authorities were more concerned with secrecy than informing its people or the world about what had happened. On Monday, President Trump tweeted about the incident, saying, stating, quote, the United States is learning much from the failed missile explosion in Russia. We have similar, though more advanced technology, unquote. Experts have confirmed that the U.S. has no such technology. Phil, <laughs> the Russians did eventually acknowledge an incident occurred and that, quote, accidents happen. That's what they literally said. That was their like public yeah, accidents happen. From time to time. Does this make you feel better about the episode? You know, a- accidents happen. <laughs> no, this does not make me feel better. Um, uh, you know, I, I I can't. I mean, you mentioned the the similarities ch- to Chernobyl are really kind of fascinating, oh. right? I mean, a lot of, uh, again, I'm not a Soviet studies expert, but uh, you know, my impression is that uh, Chernobyl is kind of what led to glasnost and perestroika and the, the sort of change in the system because of how closed off it was. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just a reminder that Russia is not an open society. I mean, the, 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 the protests that have been happening there, the crackdowns that have been happening there, I mean, it all fits in, um, with an authoritarian in uh, an authoritarian government. Having said that, I mean, the U S does not have a great history about openness in terms of nuclear accidents and nuclear problems either. So, I mean, we, we have a, a long history. There's a, uh, I wish I could, re- um, 
remember the name. There's a, a fantastic book that was a that won the Pulitzer Prize a number of years ago about the the history of of essentially nuclear accidents in the U.S. The number of times that we've you know dropped an atomic bomb accidentally or loaded an atomic bomb on a plane not accidentally meaning you know it didn't go off, but somewhere you know in North Carolina there's a missing nuclear bomb and we we don't talk about it right because we don't want to admit that that this is this is the case. Um, so yeah, I mean that sh- that should concern us, right? I mean, this is in some ways it's back to the whole conspiracy thing that we talked about before, right? Pe- people in power aren't wanting to admit that they've made mistakes when mistakes have happened, and and that's this kind of tension that's at that's at play here. Um, you know, Trump's response is is again, I, I mean, it's kind of classic Trump, like we've talked about. Um, my understanding is that we did, in fact, look into nuclear-powered crew, like missiles, um, but we abandoned that in like 1960 when we realized it wouldn't work. Yeah, so because um, it wasn't feasible, I, it was I, I don't know how this yeah. works. I'm not a scientist, but the idea of like a missile, like just sort of spraying nuclear waste out and behind it as it cruises across the sky, doesn't seem great. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, no, it's not, it's not great. I, I kind of wonder, you know, the extent because of the similarities to Chernobyl, because of the the sort of protests that are ongoing, I, I don't in any way think that Putin is in danger. Um, but we've talked, we talked last week in terms of China and Hong Kong, there's, there's sort of this weird tipping point that can happen. And, and it's often, it's not often, it's most of the time sort of unpredictable. And, and, you know, these sorts of things can, can have an impact on, you know, how people respond to, to, to Putin. So anyway. Nick, are you pro nuclear missiles? Yeah, nuclear almost powered exclusively. <laughs> yeah, anything nuclear powered, I am for. Why don't I have a nuclear powered car yet? It's right. very disappointing. That was supposed to be the our future. new software is, is powered by. <laughs> <Disney>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean Phil's right. They they've learned they've learned nothing yeah. since since Chernobyl. And realistically, we can talk about it. it. I think it was two weeks or maybe a month before that there was another nuclear submarine that that. I, I, I don't know. I'm not even sure they recovered it yet. Um, and I think what almost 20 Russian sailors died and yeah. nobody yeah. knows about it or knows what happened. Um, and that's probably the third or fourth nuclear sub over the past decade or two. That's, that's done that. Um, there was just a report over the past, uh, couple weeks or, or something that, um, there's a, a Russian nuclear sub sitting at the bottom of the ocean that's still spewing, um, radiation good. just out in the open water. Yeah, I think it's fine. It's at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. It's fine. Those fish don't even have eyes. No. <laughs> Maybe they'll 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 mutate and have eyes now. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, it, it's there. Anybody that thinks the Cold War stopped when the Soviet Union dissolved, you you need to pay attention. Oh, because, Russia continued yeah, that. Yeah, and it's it's the fact that. Putin is 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 such a product of that and wants that 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 world to come back. I, I mean, I I think at some point there was a real opportunity for Russia to kind of change that mentality and change the this kind of secretive cabal like presence that they had over over much of the world, and that went away yeah. when Putin uh, took power and will probably remain in power for, right. for a very, very long time. Well, th- that's a good question, right? So I, I, there's a couple angles to this. One is the Trump angle, which is either the United States has a secret program of nuclear powered missiles, which we do, you bet we which do. he, if he, if he revealed that that's bad, or he's just talking 
crazy and you know is not we don't have that program so there's like that whole angle and then the other i think the more interesting side is is how long is putin going to be there given the russian intervention in the 2016 election a lot of people keep talking about Putin is some genius, right? That he manipulated the election. You know, he got Trump to victory. I, I think that's overblown. I think Putin got lucky. And I think there's a lot of things that this is an example of where he's not a genius, right? Uh, and he, how they handled this wasn't particularly effective. Accidents happen. That's your justification for this? Because they don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think he he internationally oftentimes appears really strong. Domestically, he's got a lot of challenges, and this is not going to help him. So um, I, I think you're right that Putin stays in power for a, a longer period of time. But when that shift happens, I mean, there's lots of discussion about the oligarchs aren't real happy with him. The public isn't real happy with him. You know, at some point, as Phil said, you reach that tipping point. So, so we'll there's see. one more. I know I heard the ding, uh, the bell ring, but there's one more kind of point that's worth throwing on here, which is that R- Russia is doing this or citing this sort of thing. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, as part of the end of the the uh, um, INF treaty, right, the Intermediate Range Nuclear uh, uh Whatever it's whatever it's called that that yeah forces, forces that's right yeah. Um, that that we withdrew from um, and officially withdrew it, fi- it was finalized uh, what a week or two ago it wasn't that long ago um, and we had talked about you know that but th- this is sort of an example of where Russia wasn't complying and that's why we withdrew but by withdrawing we don't have any room left to critique them for for doing this and you know we've we've debated that about you know should the US abandon treaties in which the other other side is not abiding by them or do you keep them in place because you know they are still constraining in some way but i, I think it's worth kind of you know th- this is part of that kind of ramification or or um, result of us backing out of that treaty and 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 you know they're they're free to do this good point yeah, I, I, that's that's a fair point. But realistically, like like you said, this is technology that is realistically from what the sixties or seventies. It's bad technology. So I, I would imagine they've had it since around that time. Have been itching for an opportunity to use it if they haven't already. And realistically, I'm sure that they have. But I, I don't. As much as I I agree that that treaties are are vital in some capacity to maintain stability and peace throughout very volatile areas of the world. There are, I don't want to, when we're talking about Russia or China or, or kind of those key actors that continuously kind of push against the grain, staying in a treaty when we know they have the capability and they're probably using the technology anyways, doesn't necessarily sound like an effective deterrent to me. I I think Mm -hmm. if, if push came to shove, and there was a conflict, they would end up using the technology that they have anyways. True. I, I just can't, I can't even, I'm just thinking about the nuclear missile shooting, you know, <laughs> Phil talked about the nuclear waste coming out of this missile. I, I just can't even, I, I feel I like that's when I was how at, it works. I, I was at Disney World a few weeks ago and I feel like on the Carousel of Progress, there was a nuclear powered missile was featured there from 1957. <laughs> If you didn't know, the Carousel of Progress is actually (laughs) nuclear power. (laughs) All right, let's move on. So on Tuesday, the Trump administration's top immigration official offered a bit of of an edit to the famous words on the Statue of Liberty. In an interview with NPR, Ken Cuccinelli, the acting head of the U.S. Acting Head of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, was asked for his thoughts on the poem written uh, by Emma Lazarus. 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 Yeah. 
Lazarus, which says, quote, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Specifically, he was asked if he agreed that the words etched on the Statue of Liberty are part of the American ethos. Cuccinelli replied, they certainly are. Give me your tired, your poor, who can stand on their own two feet, who will not become a public charge, end quote. Uh, you see, he had that little bit at the end about standing on your own feet and not being freeloaders. <laughs> <laughs> the Trump administration's new public charge rule will make it more difficult for low-income immigrants to secure permanent residency or temporary visas if they are deemed likely to rely on welfare benefits such as food stamps or subsidized housing. Critics argue that millions of American-born children of immigrants will be affected by the new rule, and it could lead to families avoiding public benefits they need out of fear that it could hurt the immigrants' status. Phil, the Trump administration has been consistent and, I would say, creative in its efforts to create disincentives for both legal and illegal immigrants. What's your read on this? Uh, you know, again, a couple of different, uh, a couple of different takes or angles on this. Um, you know, the 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 sort of rereading of the Emma Lazarus poem, saying that you know, come if you're able to care for yourself, uh, is you know, is in my in my opinion problematic in its own in its own sense but even more yeah. he, he went on later to talk about how um in a, in a subsequent interview how that poem was 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 meant for europeans um which is which is again yes. a, the classic example of saying the quiet thing out loud right i mean the, the trump administration i mean trump has yes. talked about you know shithole countries versus norway or whatever right there's there's a clear preference for a type of immigrant um and the economic argument i think is actually, it's really about, in a lot of ways, race, right? I mean, it's about where people are coming from or the type of people that are, that are, that are coming in. I, the part for me that's weird about it is that it, it, doesn't, it, it, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny, right? I mean, the immigrants are, especially immigrants who are coming, the type that he's talking about, if you're coming, I mean, in general immigrants, but certainly people who are coming here um, through the, the approved legal process, they they contribute tremendously economically. I mean, the the, the fact that that I, the the immigration raids that have been happening tend to be carried out in workplaces, right, in like factories and whatnot, is is indicative of that in some in some way. So, all of that is that you know there. I don't know. I mean, there's that one side of it, which is that I think this kind of reveals the tendencies of of Trump's immigration policy. The other side of it, which is. You know, if I'm trying to put a good spin on it, is that we've talked about before. There, there, I think we need a national conversation about immigration. We are, you know, people tend to go so strongly one way or the other that there, there has to be some sort of, I don't know, some sort of settlement in the middle. But, but we're unwilling to actually have that conversation for the most part. I mean, and I say that we, um, the the con you know, Congress in general hasn't hasn't really wrestled with this they, what is it you know what how many like what what is the standard for immigration is there going to be an economic test what how do we how do we handle asylum seekers um you know all of that is in some way a conversation about what it means to be american right and and how do you how do you become an american and and you know what and and that's just it's a conversation that we're not having because we're sort of entrenched in our ideas about immigration, but it's a conversation we should have. It will be unpleasant, right? People will say things that offend us. Will they'll be, but but if we don't actually have that conversation, then how do we actually come to you know a conclusion about about these things? I I, I don't. I, that's that's kind of where I'm I'm at on it. That that's my positive take on what he's saying. I guess. 
Nick, do you like poems? <laughs> do I? <laughs> First of all, this was given to us by France, so it doesn't really count anyways. Um, the Statue of Liberty. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's, he's a fucking idiot. Like, it just... Cuccinelli? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's just, a heck of a name. Uh, it's just... Um, no, like... I, I, the, Again, you don't you don't say that shit out loud. Right. You know you think that. You just don't say it out loud. Um, it just it, it's it's such a detriment to and like I get it. Like and we've talked about it ad nauseum on this. There have been so many opportunities where this administration could have had more nuance to an argument or presented something in a different way, and it would have been a really effective, powerful statement that they made and and could have affected real change. And you just sound like bumbling assholes when you do this. Um, yeah, uh, to, to Phil's point, I, I think that in the end, as much as, you know, morons like this kind of complicate the situation, this is an issue that does have a solution in in Congress. You need to do something with this. We were talking about comprehensive immigration reform for the better part of two decades yeah. at this point, and nobody seems to want anything to to do with it. And we want we always talk about having an open, honest conversation about things, but that's not politically expedient for either party. There is benefit for you know Republicans and and businesses in the sense that you get cheap labor. There's a benefit to liberals and, and Democrats that you get a, a relatively not universal, but a, a larger voting block that you can draw from. And, and it's, it's, it's so it, it's, it's just underhanded and shitty the way that we've used the system for political purposes um, to, to this extent. And they, they need to do their job. This should be the number one priority of Congress over the next five years like something needs to be done about it and i worry whether some of these tactics by the trump administration make that conversation more difficult mm -hmm. because you, you see the democrats shifting to a position of i, I think they've gone too far left mm -hmm. but they're doing that for political reasons right. because they're they want to be the exact opposite of trump which makes it more difficult to have those conversations mm -hmm. the other thing i'll quickly say is that in general, I think the Trump administration has not been very effective on policy. So, you know, you think we'll talk about foreign policy in a second. I don't think they've done a particularly good job, been effective or successful, except for on two fronts, judicial appointees and immigration. So they've taken a lot of heat on immigration, but they have been able to implement their agenda. Oh, you know, yes. we may disagree with that agenda. But they have been effective. Uh, and they've so that's I think that is kind of concerning. It's a lot of Stephen Miller who, you know, just may be an ass clown, but he's an effective ass clown, right? He gets stuff done in ways that other other elements of uh, uh, components of the administration have not been able to get things done. Uh, and, I, and, I, and again, I, I'm not supporting what they've done, but they've been to, more To that point, I saw the areas. statistics today and the number of student visas, people who are given visas to come here to go to college or grad school um, in the last like four years has gone from six over 600,000 a year to about 300,000. So it's been cut about in half. That's an, that's an example. And that, that's the sort of thing again, where there are long-term consequences because when people would come from China or wherever else to come here to, to, to get an American education and then go back to China, that's part of, you know, American soft power and influence and all of that, that we're sort of ab abandoning. Now, whether that's, you know, whether that's important enough to hold on to or not is, is a whole nother debate, but it feels like those kind of indirect costs we don't often account for when we're talking about these, these sorts of uh, issues, but, but Trump has been successful. That's, that's a great point. 
Yeah, no, that, that's a really, really good point. That yeah, that's and I think this, the impact on soft power is is going to be felt for generations. So, all right, Nick, moving on. Mm-hmm. So Trump hates all forms of exercise, especially joint military exercises. So on Saturday, Trump appeared to side with North Korea dictator Kim Jong Un in renewing his objection to joint military exercises in South Korea calling such drills ridiculous and expensive. In his morning tweets, Trump suggested that North Korea's recent missile tests would end once the military drills are finished. He referenced a recent letter from Kim Jong-un, noting, quote, it was a long letter, much of it complaining about the ridiculous and expensive exercises, unquote. Trump said the letter amounted to a, quote, small apology for testing uh, of the short-range missiles. The New York Post also reported that Trump bragged about his relationship with the dictator on his way to a fundraiser earlier this week. According to the Post, Trump quipped, quote, people say he only smiles when he sees me. <laughs> Phil, just I want for a the- movie poster made with <laughs> yes, the two of them. That's now. a good name. Yeah. Uh, Phil, just for the record, all of Aww. my smiles are reserved for you. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah. So I've heard of ping pong diplomacy, but smile diplomacy in previous administrations, this kind of foreign policy would be seen as as Nick. Not just not not good. Not good. Mm. Uh, taking the side of a brutal dictator against your own military's wishes has generally been frowned upon. Phil, is there anything positive we can take away from this rather odd development? I, my first reaction was to say, no, <laughs> there's nothing positive. I mean, I, I suppose a, a decrease in the tensions between the U.S. and North Korea is a is is the one positive. Um, yeah. I mean, this is bizarre to me. Um, it's not just that he's taking the the word of of North Korea against the U.S. military. He's taking the word of North Korea against all of the U.S. allies in the area, against South Korea, against Japan. Right. So um, that's what's bizarre about this. It's it's a it's a situation in which I I don't um, for somebody who claims to be you know strong and a negotiator. This this is this is weird, right? North North Korea is not doing anything that they supposedly said they would do. They're not doing anything that the U.S. wants them to do, other than to praise. Trump in some way. And Trump is just like going al- along with it. It's, it's a, it's a, str- I mean, this is, this was essentially extortion, right? I mean, it's the, it's North Korea saying, yeah, we'll quit testing nuclear weapons as, as soon as you quit having military exercises with your allies. And Trump has basically said they got a point, right? And so, I mean, it's, it's just, you would, you would think in the negotiate, in the way this is playing out, that North Korea is the world power and the US is the country that's like desperately trying to please them. It, it, it just doesn't, Makes sense. Now, th- that's not to say that that Trump should be like escalating, you know, the, the the rhetoric that you know we should be threatening war, any of that. It's just it it doesn't. Nothing in the way Trump is handling this or talking about this indicates that he is in a strong bargaining position, which he is. He has all. I mean, he has the cards here, right? He has the ability to 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 push North Korea in a certain in a certain direction, and and he's just not playing it that way. And I, I don't know if that's for the the PR side of it. I don't know if it's an affinity for um, Kim himself. I, I don't know what it is, but it, it yes, nothing about this lines up with previous foreign policy or expectations about foreign policy or advice about good foreign policy. From both either Democratic or Republican administrations, right? I mean, John Bolton has to be pulling his mustache hair out over this because he he can't stand the North Korean regime. And now his president is saying that he saves all his smiles for him. Oh, I, I mean, it's uh, again, to your to your point, Phil, this is 
in in the in a um, in a different situation, uh, this would be a president going, "Yeah, we will end military exercises when you know we talk about human rights abuses. You give up your nuclear program, you allow for you know foreign investment, um, you know inspectors, all of that stuff." Like you said, he he. The, the U S holds all of the cards at this point, but, and I've been a, a relatively staunch proponent of, of what the Trump administration has done in North Korea. And I still think that they can do something. And this would be another one of those times where you can actually do something. Um, but just this weird schizophrenic behavior between this weird, like just bizarre behavior, this kind of personal relationship with, with Kim Jong-un, uh, and then completely going off the rails and and saying that they're not following any of the the agreements that we put in place, uh, and you know we're cutting off ties again, and it it changes week to week. Like you ha- you have a real opportunity to do something, and you've given yourself the opportunity. I will give you that point, but you keep squandering it every time that it comes up, and I don't understand why. Tell me why. Damn it. That's a really important point. We're, we're what, two and a half years into this administration. So it's, it's time where their strategy should be showing some results. And what we've seen is absolutely no positive development out of North Korea. And in fact, they're now drifting back to testing missiles. And the president resorts to saying, well, they're testing short missiles, right? No, that's not how you should be responding here. You should be condemning this behavior as you know inappropriate in violation of UN agreements and putting pressure on them. I, I can't, I, to, to Phil's earlier question, I can't understand what's motivating Trump about this. The smile comment. Who cares whether you get along with arguably the world's worst dictator? That shouldn't be a motivating factor. You should be thinking about U.S. interests here. And U.S. interests are clearly tied with South Korea, with Japan, with your own U.S. military. The U.S. military has said these military exercises are absolutely vital if anything were to go down with North Korea to have practiced some of these things. And that's why North Korea wants us to stop them because if we haven't practiced it's we're going to be less likely to to engage in them i don't like north korea i'm done, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> we 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 have the same conversation over and yeah. over and over again i want to believe that something will change and the more yeah. time goes I feel by like I just the, don't when, when this all first started when trump first took power there was all of this tumultuous you know the, the relationship between he and, and north korea was kind of all over the place right the fire and fury and all of that stuff and part of that if you look back at those reports was that north korea didn't feel like they understood trump they had they couldn't predict what he was doing they didn't understand what he was doing it feels like now they've got like it feels like they feel like they have it figured out, right? I mean, their their strategy is fantastic. They say good things about Trump, and on the side, they keep doing their their missile tests and their development. It feels like there has there has reached uh, some level of of stability there, and it's not a stability that's good for the U.S. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really important point because the, Kim Jong Un keeps sending Trump letters. And, and we, you know, Trump says like, oh, I wish you could read these letters. I would like to read these letters. What is he saying in these letters letters. that is so persuading the president that, oh, this guy is good. I mean, this is, this is great. This is bad strategy to, to, to allow 
a love letter from a, you know a dictator to change your view of, and we've talked about this with of, nato of as well is that the, the damage done by this sort of thing to alliances isn't easily fixed right because even if the next president is totally pro japan south korea we're going to do military exercises it leaves this lingering doubt about that could change at any moment right the next president if us is not actually committed to this if it depends on who is in office at given any given time then we can't be sure that 5 years 10 years down the road this is going to be the case. And that can be repaired, but it's not repaired just by electing someone who is is openly supportive of South Korea or, or Japan. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. If those letters are not a centerpiece of the Trump uh, presidential oh. library slash casino, I'm going to oh. be very disappointed. You know, he tears up every piece. We talked before about who he tears up every piece of paper when he's done with it. I hope he hasn't torn up these letters, right? Those got to be saved somewhere. Oh, if, if there's not an intern piecing those things back together. There is. Making a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's the key. All right. The mooch is back. All right. Um, and I, guys, I've missed the mooch. Uh, some of our missed listeners may have forgotten about Anthony Scaramucci and his 11-day tenure as the White House communication director. The mooch has spent much of the last two years defending Trump on cable news well up until last week. After the mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton, Scaramucci has turned on Trump. In an interview this week, Scaramucci said Trump is Trump is off the rails and honest people in the, administ- uh, in the room know that he is crazy. He also suggested that Trump should be replaced at the top of the 2020 presidential ticket. Scaramucci's multiple interviews led to a very predictable Twitter battle between the president and the mooch. Phil, on one level, I find this incredibly dumb and predictable. Uh, yet on the other hand, I find myself wondering whether we should give Scaramucci some credit for doing what no other former administration official has done. Call on the Republican Party to replace Trump. So what's your reaction of the mooch calling out President Trump? Real quick. Are you fucking insane? Go, no, Phil. No, no. So well, this, maybe, this, this seems like go a Phil. good case of, of two things can be true, which is that this can be dumb and insane. And we should also pray. Like we talked last week about when Ted Cruz was critical of, you know, was talking about critiquing sort of white nationalism stuff. And, and even though if you don't like Ted Cruz, you should still praise when they do the right thing. So so we should be. Yes, it's it's if if this is what he thinks we i feel like we talked about this like you know a year and a half ago that top administrative officials if they think that the that that the trump administration or that donald trump himself is not you know effective or there are issues in, in that are in the way of him um uh leading the country effectively then they have a duty to speak up and so um yeah i mean we should praise scaramucci for doing that now that's <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Having stop. said that, the, the impact <laughs> of of Scaramucci doing this is limited, right? It's limited by the fact that he was an uh, you know he he was in the 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 administration for eleven days, which has become you know a new unit of time, right? A Scaramucci, um, and it's also limited by the fact that he spent two years defending the president before he came out and said this. Now, if he just changed his mind, right? If there's something that happened, if if you know the response to the El Paso shooting is what changed his mind, then good on him for for coming out and saying so. But it, it kind of feels like he was trying to hang on to coattails for two years and. And then when he's not getting what he wants, he's he's going to turn. 
again, so so I think my my final my like my final thought is yeah, we should praise him for doing this, but but we need people who are not Scaramucci to do it, right? We need the big name people who have been a part of of communicate uh, have been a part of internal discussions in the administration for a long time. The so called adults in the room, we need them to speak up. We need top Republican officials to speak up if they actually think this. Nick. He's you a know, piece of shit. Trump or Scaramucci? <laughs> the mooch? You don't like the mooch? No, no, I don't like the mooch. <laughs> I, I, again, uh, he was he was part of the administration for 11 days. Yeah. You have no more internal knowledge on Trump than you already did for years of knowing him. And we know that you went along with everything that he did. And we, you're just a, a, a piece of shit New York, you know, business, you know, Gordon Gecko businessman it's just the fact that anybody is taking him seriously in this situation is 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 mind-boggling to me it's got to be a book deal or a movie script or something that is is to is benefiting him he i i i the the mass shootings were horrific there is no part of me that believes that that was some sort of determining factor that made him change his Mm -hmm. mind on someone that he knew for years and years and years and went along with everything that he did. There's been no evidence to suggest that this was kind of a gradual change, that he did anything that would, you know, or that Trump did anything that would make uh, Scaramucci change his mind. He's an asshole. He's an opportunist. He's always been an opportunist. So you don't think it was an epiphany? No, I don't think it was an epiphany. (laughs) Call me crazy. That's my conspiracy theory. Yeah, and I, 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 I am very sympathetic to that. And I think part of my frustration with this is that this is what we've, we're left with. Like, no, nobody else, and I'm still waiting for a former administration official to come forward and publicly, ex- a credible, you know, former administration official, you know, Mattis or Tillerson. I mean, there's a long list of, like Phil said, the adults in the room who could have done this. And it would have made a difference. Now, it wouldn't have played out well for them. Trump would have attacked them. But they could have helped write this ship. And none of them did that. And the implication is that, well, they mustn't have thought it was that bad. Behind the scenes, the scenes they were saying it was bad. So, yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm depressed that it's Scaramucci, who's the only only person willing to critique him. And he's doing it. You're, you're right. Both of you are right. For self-interested reasons. All Trump's done all sorts of stuff. And now this is what, right. you know, it, it's a bridge too far for Scaramucci. But I, you know, I don't know the answer trying. to this, but is there a trend? Like, I, I mean, it feels like whether it's Justin Amash, whether it's Anthony Scaramucci, it feels like there are there have been more. And, and they haven't been big names. They've been sort of smaller or peripheral figures. But it feels like the number of people openly speaking, not, not behind the scenes, not off the record to reporters, but the number of people who are openly saying this, this president is a problem, um, has, has been increasing now it's still really small, but, but I don't know. Do you, do you, does this in any way, you know, is this in any way indicative of a, of something that is, is happening in the party? From a principled standpoint, no. From a self-interested standpoint, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I don't think that anybody who has come forward that is in opposition to the administration is doing this out of some sort of sense of, you know, national pride or or trying to right the norms of the institutions that they are a part of or something like that. I, I, I think Amash has made the the most eloquent points out of any of the people, but. 
I think this I, I still think it's a political move more than it, it has anything to do with with morals interestingly or, enough or, I think the the self-interested yeah. thing could be in the short term more significant if people are feeling like hey this is the Trump you know train is aiming in the wrong direction and it's time to jump off and start distancing myself that that could actually be uh, you know, I would love for it to all be principled, but even if people are stepping back because they feel like it's no longer beneficial to be near him, that that's telling in and of itself as well. Sure. And, and some of the poll numbers that have come out this week are showing Trump in a bad spot across the country. I mean, there's, there's there are states where he's safe, but in a lot of battleground states, he's underwater. And, and so you wonder whether those numbers cause some of these candidates to find self-interest principle, whatever it is. But uh, I guess there's a, there is a trickle of, of individuals, but you still need somebody right. with real credibility to come out and do this. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, there, there is a, a point to be made that it, it could influence an opinion, but that is also really, if you're coming at it from a principled point of view and really somebody needs to do that, yeah. um, you know, the assumption is that you have ideas that are, are different than them or that, that are that are that would fundamentally change the narrative as it's it's presented right now. And I don't think any of these people have those answers or, or have even contemplated that you're just right. you're just in opposition to something, well, which, again, seems to be a lot of the speaks the, the Democratic Party speaks the, the way in which Trump has taken over the Republican Party. I mean, it's, it's very difficult as Spiro a Republican is not an ideas influencer. He is not. <laughs> All right. Shit. Final topic. Gentlemen, we spent some time over the last episodes talking about Trump's effort to dial up the culture wars for the 2020 election. Yet we haven't focused on one particular issue that is deeply dividing Americans plastic straws. As cities across the country adopt policies aimed at limiting environmental damage of plastic straws, the president has gone on the offensive and is attacking what he calls liberal paper straws. To combat the oppression of this paper straw, Trump is selling a Trump-branded plastic straw. The webpage states, the liberal paper straws don't work. Stand with your President Trump and buy your pack of recyclable straws today. They sell for $15 for a pack of 10. In promoting the straws, Trump's campaign manager uh, stated, quote, I'm so over paper straws, and I'm sure you are too. Much like most liberal ideas, paper straws don't work and they fall apart instantly. God. Phil, estimates are that the US that in the US we use 500 million plastic straws a day. Do you think Trump's recyclable straws will solve the problem? Uh, so <laughs> a couple of things to say on this. You know, the 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 emphasis on plastic straws is kind of fascinating because it, it is, you know, it's not that it's not important, right? It it generates a lot of plastic that doesn't get recycled. Um, but it's like this one kind of really sort of niche area of, of a much larger environmental, you know, issue or crisis that needs to be dealt with. And, and it feels like it's something that we can sort of feel good about, right? I got a metal straw and I'm not using it. And so I can feel like I've done my part, um, and don't have to worry about the bigger, you know, the, the bigger picture. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to poo poo on it too much because, you know, if we could, replace the 500 million plastic straws a day, that would be good. It's not nearly enough, but it would be good to do that. Um, the other part of it is that, you know, Trump, this is a classic example. I mean, this is just so transparent that Trump is like the, the whole presidency feels like he's using politics and political divides to make money, right? And this is just an example of it. I'm going to, like, I don't, he doesn't give a shit about, you know, the, the 
paper straws, not paper straws. This is a chance for him to sell straws for a dollar fifty a piece, right? I mean, and and he's the blue collar president or whatever. It's just insane. All of that to the side. There's there's a thing that I jumped on that 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 stood out to me, and I'm going to get on my Norm's high horse for a minute. That I there was one word in this that I thought was fascinating, yeah. which is that the straws that Trump is selling are recyclable. So even like in this this shift towards like environmentalism, like the the shifting norms of what's acceptable in terms of the the environment, even even Trump in his like attack on liberal paper straws is selling recyclable straws, right? He's even sort of buying there there is a shift in terms of what's acceptable, right? Like it's not just a screw you the environment stupid. We're we're doing non-recyclable whatever it even even the the backlash against the environmental movement has sort of shifted in an environmental direction which is which is i, I think really interesting hmm. yeah. to, to build off that point real quickly so yeah it's recyclable and he also says bpa free there you go yeah mm-hmm. nick I, I i bet you hate paper straws you know what i'll i'll yeah i'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that okay. in a second yeah um realistically uh all plastic straws are technically recyclable no. it's just well, lazy assholes who don't recycle them so <laughs> That's take true. take, take yeah. that point. Um, this is just more culture war, culture war bullshit. And it, it's a, it, I, there are so many things like this from an environmental standpoint that we should be talking about. And this is just, you know, the flavor of the week. We're done talking about microplastics. We're done talking about uh, the, the whatever can ring things. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Where fish used to get caught. In oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, and yep, shit yep. like that. Yep. Um, but nobody does anything about it. Like even the people who are who are touting, you know, an opposition to, to plastic straws, this will be gone in a week and replaced by something else. Um, another kind of national conversation that we need to have uh, where, you know, we need technocrats and people who, who are actually interested in these issues that aren't affected by the cultural war aspect of it. Um, to the paper straws, I think paper straws are fantastic. Oh. They're great. If you really, really like paper straws, you should go to giftsthatsuck.com. Um, they use only paper <laughs> straws that are that fit directly in your wine bottle that have funny sayings attached to them. I've got a few and I love them. They're fantastic. <laughs> they definitely don't. They do not fall apart instantly by any means. You can take them out and they harden right back up a again. Conspiracy They're in getting great. this topic into the list this week. <laughs> right, well, I'm sorry, we can't hear you anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> I will say this this sort of conversation, not our conversation, but the broader debate, it, it feels a microcosm for like this broader environmental debate where it, it, you're right, it's caught up in the culture wars and, and Trump is being intentionally obstinate about this, right? I mean, the reality is that we shouldn't use straws. At home, I don't use straws. If I mix a cocktail, there's no need for a straw. Um, and I like straws. They're I, so nice. Well, but at home, I'm, I'm very happy without using one and I don't notice it. You know, when I'm out, I, I feel like I need a straw, but we could easily get rid of straws with this in the future. It's going to be for every three pounds of fish in the ocean. There's going to be one pound of plastic. That's not good. I don't want to eat plastic, Nick. No. So this seems like a simple thing where we could either get rid of straws or I mean, I don't even need the paper straws, which I think suck. So let's just get rid of them. But why, you know, like we're doubling down, like, you know, your paper straw sucks. So I'm going to, and I'm guessing Trump supporters, they're not recycling these, Nick. You know, nobody recycles well, Nobody's straws. recycling any yeah. people that well, tout even, them Even people recycling. who are recycling aren't <laughs> but really, got, like, you the know, U.S. is like shut down recycling processes. Right. right. Yeah, because China's no longer buying our recycling. We're all so going to die. It's all terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
giftsetsuck.com. <laughs> That's a good way to end. <laughs> My God. Oh, that was 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 that was a fun one. That was funny. Yeah. Phil really got worked up about those straws. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, well, on that note, if you guys uh, like the podcast, uh, questions, comments, uh, beer suggestions, guests, anything uh, you want to see what we're up to, uh, go to um, uh, Twitter uh, at Barstool Paul, P O L, Facebook at Barstool Politics. It takes a while to turn the engine over. Um, beers that we try, you can find on Untapped on iOS or Android. Just look for Barstool Politics on there. Uh, the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, most most major podcasting platforms. Uh, share us, review us, like us through those things. Uh, and then we are partnered with uh, Predicted, which is a uh, real money political prediction market where you can buy and sell shares in future political events. Uh, Barso Politics listeners who use the promo link when opening up a new account receive up to a $20 match on their first deposit. Uh, so open up a $20 account and Predicted will match that $20, giving you $40 to use. Uh, just use the promo link predicted.org slash promo slash barstool paul 20 uh, to check that out. Uh, anything else, let, guys? Let us no? know how we sound. Cool. And yeah, yes, please, please do. <laughs> Send us some feedback. Yes. And um, welcome to our new listeners. We've had some really good, li- you know, jump in listenership lately. So, you know, thanks and tell your friends. Hi, guys. Yeah. Hi. All right. Um, yeah, conspiracy theories. Gifts at We'll talk to you guys next week. All right, bye. Cheers. Cheers. And sit down.